This episode of the Fabulous Learning Nerds is sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTIs, counselor, and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. They are the fabulous learning nerds. Because if you're tired of the old ways of getting it done, you've got the fabulous learning nerds. Scott and Dan are making it lots of fun. The best ideas that you've ever heard. So everybody spread the word. They're going to keep you with learning. The fabulous learning nerds. Fabulous learning nerds. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Fabulous Learning Nerds. I'm your host, Scott Schutte. And, well, Dan the Man. Sorry, folks. Dan the Man is uh, on the road um, doing his learning shtick. Uh, in the fabulous and sunny state of Phoenix, Arizona. But we have a very special treat for you because coming to us back again to, uh, dare I say, take Dan's place, you love her, Miss Abby Dawson. Hey, guys. Oh, and the crowd goes, goes wild. Like they do. Abby, or okay, so we're gonna test your nerdum, and it's totally. We don't spend enough time talking about nerdy stuff, but um, we're. Are you a Marvel fan, girl? Yes, I, I wouldn't say like I'm full blown Marvel nerd. Um, I can answer some trivia, but uh, yeah, I'm not like Big Bang Marvel fan. Okay, so did did you see Endgame uh, op- opening night, and did the, everybody go crazy like that? No, and I actually have still not seen Endgame because I live with a toddler who doesn't ever seem to want to sleep except for like adult sleep hours. So it's yet to come. I've seen Wonder Woman, the new one, um, but that's like the latest. Yeah, that's about it. I'm sorry to hear that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to take a deep breath here and, and really decide if you and I can remain friends. I'm kidding. Of course, Abby, welcome back. You are an honorary nerd now. We've got a really special episode tonight. Um, We've got a dear friend of mine uh, who happens to be one of the greatest teachers that I know. And uh, so without further ado, let's go ahead and bring in uh, Mr. Paul Hart, everybody. Thank you. I was, you know, that soundbite could totally be crickets and that would be just as fine. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Paul, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Um, I am very excited to be on. I don't know about the greatest teacher, but I definitely give it the good old uh, college try. Hey, listen, um, you have humility, which I think is a really awesome trait. And the first thing I'm going to say before we get to what's your deal, I just want to personally thank you. I, I really do. For all that you do, you guys have really done great work this year. Uh, in a very uh, interesting time. And I just want to personally thank you for, for the work that you do with our kids and 
all that you had to endure, and that's going to be a big part of our show today. But before we get into that, we're going to go ahead and learn everything we need to know about Paul with a little segment we call What's Your Deal? Hey, man. What's your deal? Paul Hart. Yes. What's your deal, man? man oh, man. It depends on who you ask. Uh, <laughs> now, um... You know, like you said, uh, I am now going into my ninth year, or I'm in almost towards the end of my ninth year as a teacher in the wonderful state of Wisconsin. Uh, I spent seven of those years in a public school. Uh, my first year was in a Head Start school, which is one of my favorite experiences. I was able to teach in an all-Hispanic school where... Um, I was just thrown into the culture, which was absolutely amazing. And now I am in uh, my second year at a new school that is not public. It is pretty much a charter school, but um, I am a single dad. Uh, you know, um, been doing that for three years now. I have a fantastic uh, geeky daughter or a nerdy daughter. Hopefully, in a little while, she's going to be coming on to talk to you about some of this stuff because she keeps saying she's going to be a teacher no matter how much I tell her not to be. <laughs> um, and I got a son, Emmett. Uh, yeah, he's named after Christopher Lloyd. He's got the hair, too, which is great. Um, but I lived in Milwaukee my entire life. Uh, I've always, you know, my my dad was a fireman, and something he always, he always said was he had the utmost respect for, like, anybody that did the civil service, right? So he never wanted me to be a fireman, but he wanted, he always talked highly about, uh, you know, um, the nurses and the teachers. And then when the time came, it's like, Hey, you know, I kind of want to get in to this teaching thing. And the whole thing started, uh, way back in high school when I was uh, coaching my grade school or my elementary school's wrestling team up until I went into college. And then it just seemed like a natural progression to get into teaching. And I decided I'm too terrified of the older kids. So, I want to stick with the little kids, and I ended up uh, going to the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, the Panthers, uh, and I got my degree in uh, early childhood education, so I am officially licensed to teach anything from birth all the way up to uh, age eight, which is usually third grade, and it's been a blast. I have taught every grade in between, which has been awesome. That's great. Hey, what got you into this whole idea, right, around, I want to be a teacher? Like, what what caused that moment in your life? Uh, it was, it, it, it was like, a lot of things. I didn't, I wasn't, pl like, I took the year off of college, right? And um, I wasn't planning on going back. And then some, uh, pretty much I had a bet with my mom. And I lost, and I had to go back to school. And I decided I wanted to be a teacher. And um, okay, I'm gonna pause you right there. Yep. What was the bet you lost with your mom? Oh man, dude. Okay, you want us to be 45 minutes, and this is like, I, I have told this a couple times. It it does get kind of deep, but um, you know, my mom, my mom ended up having uh, three brain aneurysms, right? And uh, I don't even know how she's still here, but my dad got her. He was a he was a fireman at the time. And instead of taking her to the hospital, he took her to the firehouse, and they did what they needed to do, and. Got to the hospital and found out she had these three aneurysms just pop, which she should be gone. And they couldn't do the surgery because uh, her head was so swollen up that night. So we had to wait like four days 
and you know doctors have to tell you like doctors can't sugarcoat anything right so they're like you know you gotta you gotta prepare that she'll probably pass before surgery and if she gets to surgery she'll probably pass during surgery and if she makes it through surgery she won't be the same person and dad was just geeking out about it like he was just so stressed and he was like in the best shape of his life and uh the day before surgery he was right in the room with her and he just collapsed and he 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 died right there of a heart attack and we did not want to tell my mom going into surgery we tried to play dumb and she finally caught on that something wasn't right she was like totally out of it but like on that she just knew something was wrong and you know i ended up telling her what happened and you know, she was just kind of in shell shock. And I said, Hey, you know, you're going to get through this surgery and you're going to, you're going to make recovery. And she goes, you know, you're going to have to take a significant amount of time to help me through with it. Cause I was pretty much the only child she had at that point. And I go, yeah, absolutely. And you know, you're going to make it. And she goes, and when I do, you have to go back to college. And she made a hundred percent recovery. So I went back to college. That 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 is awesome. That's a cool a bet to to uh, lose, man. Wow, that's a quite a story, Paul. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Great, <laughs> Paul. Thanks for sharing your journey, and I I am so glad you lost that bet because I know you've got great things to share. Um, you and I have had conversations of some of the awesome stuff that you do for your kids. I I know how much you love your kids. And uh, hopefully folks will hear that as uh, Paul uh, gets into uh, the topic for the week. So with that, let's get cooking. Paul. Yes. What are we talking about this week, man? Man, we're talking about being a teacher in COVID. Awesome. So like lessons that, that you've learned from COVID? Yes. Yes, lessons That's great. I've learned from COVID. <laughs> There's been quite a few of them. Oh, okay. So let's let's go ahead. We'll do the rule of threes. I want you to go ahead and think of, uh, you know, the top three things you you've learned. I'm sure you've learned way more than three. But if you were to boil everything down, right, um, in, in this uh, last year, and you wanted to share with the audience, what are the what are the top three uh, learnings that you've had teaching in this very unique environment? Well, I mean, I think these are all uh, the three that I can think of are ones that I think all teachers should always have, but especially more so now dealing with, I mean, you know, we're in unknown territory. This is all new to everybody. We're literally writing the book as we go. But uh, with that said, uh, as a teacher, just because you've made it to the head of the classroom doesn't mean you stop learning. So teachers can never stop learning if they want their students to be successful okay give us an example uh you gotta learn you gotta learn how to work zoom uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay let's pause there i want to i want to take some time to talk a little bit about that because i you know abby and i do corporate learning right Mm-hmm. And, you know, scalability is something that we always have to think about, especially if you have clients outside of the building, which I, I do. I have clients I, I talk to outside the building all the time. So this idea of virtual learning was nothing new for us. That being said, right when we hit, it's been a year, right? So it's about a year ago, all of a sudden, everything shut down. And I, I was checking out 
what our industry was doing. And um, I remember that I went to YouTube and the DOE had a broadcast. Were you watching that broadcast, Paul? No. The DOE had a broadcast on YouTube because it was the only place that they could get the, a large enough audience. And it was all about how do we do this? Right. And they had some poor woman. I don't even remember her name. She was sweating bullets. Honest to good. There had to be two, three buckets of sweat near her as she tried to explain, here's how you do this. Um, and so my my question to you is like, what was you know, what was your experience like? You wake up one day and hey, Paul, you, you got to teach virtually go like what kind of tools and support did you did you get to be successful there? Or was it one of those things where you just kind of learned on your own? Uh, you know, you, my experience and, and all the other teachers at my school. Um, so when, like when it first happened, uh, I always forget our last day of school last year of 2020 was Friday the 13th. That was the last time we're at school and we did not have anything set up like at all. So what we did was we just finally started to learn about zoom and we were asked to check in via email or text message with our families three times a week. We didn't even have to do lessons. We didn't have to do anything like that. And, um, I would make videos and post it just like I would read a story, post it on YouTube, send it to them. All of that. Um, then we finally used Zoom for our end of the year ceremony for uh, you know for my kindergarten class, and then all of a sudden, um, our the guy in charge of our network of schools he was gung ho on we're gonna come back in person, and so I don't think they, and this is not a knock or anything, but like there just wasn't a big plan. So all of a sudden we're getting closer and closer to okay, this is actually gonna be dirt like this is actually be digital. So he bought all of us, um, you know, like he got all of his employees, um he got us all like the premium or the platinum or whatever it is to zoom where we can have full control over everything like that. He got us these Beats by Dre wireless headphones. Uh, so we can help here better. Um, and pretty much they wanted us to do two things. They wanted us to prepare for the school year as if it was any regular school year. But then they also wanted us to prepare digitally to make our own, like, you know, Google Classrooms and all of this and our Bitmoji. Li- Bitmoji was the hardest thing to do <laughs> setting up for this school year to make yourself and find all the little clip art and do all of that to make it look real nice for a parent to maybe click on it once was man that was like two weeks of work but um so we kind of had to do all of that in two weeks and i cannot i i would be amiss if i did not give credit to our entire team of teachers because i teach at a kindergarten to eighth grade school and the way we all banded together with you know if someone was really good at this they put it out there and we hit them up and they were not afraid to help us and like everyone just kind of found out what they were really good at to help out with and we really were able to come together as a team and be ready for that first day of school online and then yeah that's pretty and then the same thing happened January 25th where we came back in person, but it's kind of a weird story because we came back in person 
for the kids that wanted to come back and then the kids that stayed back. So we had to do dual. Like we have to teach the kids in person in front of us while also at the same time teaching the kids online, which is kind of a crazy thing to do in such a social grade like kindergarten. But we got there. So can I ask, Paul, with yeah. all that change, um, and I think everyone kind of went through this, it was hard to know, like, is this just going to take time to learn or is this not going to work? Like, how did you figure out, we can do this, we just have to figure out how? And then how did you weed out the things where you were like, nope, nope, let's let's abandon this and move on. We tried it. It's not working. Oh, we are still weeding things out going into, I mean, like, and, and it's so like it, teaching with a class is such a crazy thing for that because some kids it will work perfectly and some kids it won't. So you have to find the balance, but to answer, like, I think the main part of your question is we were literally like trial and erring up until, I mean, I was up working on the website and stuff well into 3 a.m. the first day of school and just getting ready for everything. We had contingency plans upon contingency plans. And still that first day, you know, like... And it's funny, you prepare for everything, and the one thing that can bring it down you have no control of, and that is just, like, the broadband and the network that you're on, and that we were just at the mercy of that the first day. So, you know, like we're sitting there and we're, we're, you know, we're throwing our phones down. I, I, I'm in my living room and I'm putting my iPhone on conference call and, and getting all my families onto a call with me just so they can hear my voice. And then we were finally able to get the computer up the next day. But it's just, I mean, you have to kind of at least have five things in the back of your mind because just even in regular teaching, like in regular, just, you know, brick and mortar like you got to expect the unexpected and it gets amplified to that in this digital world and even amplified again when you're doing like a combination of the both. I hope that answered your question. No, I think that I think so. I think it did great. I have a follow up. So, how've the kids been? So, how you know, how have they responded to to that challenge? I'm very interested to to hear how uh, either supportive they have been of you, or that's a whole nother ball of wax and maybe an entire other podcast. No, man my 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 kids are are some of the best kids uh, that I've had uh, throughout this entire career, especially this class. This class will always have a special place in my heart. These kids are resilient and i like it breaks my heart because it's 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 k4 it's like the preschool but we definitely have more academics to it so this is like where they learn to love school this is where they get to come into school and do the hands-on and learn how to share and learn how to play nice with each other and then come together first man i miss sitting on the carpet with just a book and a stuffed animal doing silly voices but like we have adapted to that i mean it helped that they've never been in a classroom before. You know what I mean? So, like, this is still new to them, but it's different yet. Like, you know, they, they have to sit in front of the screen and all of that. But they have been... These kids are awesome. They are resilient. They do not give up. They, you know, I think it's because I just... I'm, like, a big action figure to them. I'll throw myself down and 
make funny noises. So I'll keep their attention all day, uh, which has become definitely trying, you know, in, in, in the computer world where it's kind of hard to do that. You know, you don't always want to depend on the YouTube videos. Uh, but no, they're, they're great. They've been, they've been powering through. They've really showing understanding and mastery of the concepts we've been throwing down. And I can't, I can't say enough about how great them and their uh, families have been through all of this. Yeah. I'm so glad that you had that experience. Uh, are your peers uh, saying the same thing? Yes. Yes. And I got to say this school, it's, it's so ridiculous. Um, I came from an MP, I came from a public school system where for seven years it was just kind of like a dog eat dog world. Teachers didn't help teachers in this school. It, you were quick to put others down, so I just sat there and I stayed in my classroom. Never went to the staff lounge. Ate lunch in my room. Um, didn't really interact with anybody. Then you come into this school, it's kind of like the Wizard of Oz, right? I went from black and white to just full blown color, where like we have just all the help you can get. I mean, the staff are friendly. They're not there to watch you fail. They're there to watch you succeed because more than likely your like my current student will be in their classroom in the future at some point. You know what I mean? So like we want everyone to do good and it's just such a team building experience. So we're all pretty much having positive experiences just because we're all kind of in the trenches with each other. Uh, there definitely are bad days. There, there, there's definitely the tough days where you come home and you, you know, you have a quick cry, you put on Bob's Burgers, and you get ready for the next day. Everything is better with Bob's Burgers, right? It Abby? really is. I mean, it can't hurt, right? <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me you don't know Bob's Burgers. <laughs> of course. Oh, is there, okay. any, is there right. anyone right. alive anymore who doesn't know about it? Okay. <laughs> and how well, do we I reach them ab- and help them? <laughs> right? I, I well, that's a whole that other about, podcast. I thought that about people that saw Endgame, but I guess I was wrong. Well, I'm here. I'm ready <laughs> to be helped. Kidding. We love you, Abby. It's, it's totally fine. I just think, you know, the story after story that I've heard uh, around the beat is that the resiliency, you know, resiliency is one of those things that I think all of us had to learn last year. Uh, and the resiliency of our of our kids it, it has really really shown, and every story I've heard has been one of teachers have technical difficulties, and the kids are like rooting them on, like no, you go, Mister Hart, you can do this. We've got you. And oh yeah, turn off your video; it'll work, right? Hey, uh, we're all gonna switch over to Twitch, and we're gonna go chat over there. And I I just find that an amazing story uh, about our kids. And that gives me hope, so. Well, and I wonder too, Paul, kind of on your idea, Scott, that like the kids were ready to jump in and help. Do you think some of this was kind of overdue and and all the things that have happened because of COVID have kind of pushed us there? Do you think the kids were ready for education to kind of change? You know, um, obviously for me with with, uh, teaching the four-year-olds, they're just kind of getting in technology, but from... Like, man, um, yes, to answer your question, yes, especially when I talk to, like, the middle school teachers. Like, I mean, these kids are kind of teaching them how to teach them now. You know what I mean? Like, they're making it easier for the teachers to get the content to them because they're so tech-savvy. 
I mean, like, this is their bread and butter. They've grown up on the tablets and and the video game consoles. Like, we are now in the digital... Like, the digital era has come, and I really don't think digital learning is really going anywhere now. Even if we go back in person, I think the stuff that we've learned and the tools that have been given to us are going to become staples now. I think the face of education has seriously evolved and I don't think it's going to change and a big part of that is because the students came together with the teachers to kind of bridge that gap. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I I would put it as this is an and strategy environment that we're we're all in together. Right? So the days of this is the square peg that I'm putting this square peg and this is uh, how we win. Those days are gone. Like we always have to be looking at the and strategy. And in a learning perspective, my my experience is that that's something I've always strived for, but always seems out of reach. And, and more and more people on the bandwagon is great. Um, what's the second learning that you had from uh, from COVID, Paul? Um, especially again for being a kindergarten teacher where a lot of it's hands-on learning is that adaptation is absolutely key to the student's success. And, you know, I could care less. I have gotten into a couple arguments with my, uh, with my supervisor who was big into, you know, academic is key. Academic is key. Like, yes, it is. It, it, It totally is, but they're also four. And that's not a knock on her at all because she's, got her directives and all that but i mean it's just and and it's just not from this place you know like everyone is so obsessed with test scores and test scores where we're just kind of taking away the personality and i think they still need to like we still need to focus on their personality and kindergarten lets you do that so i've kind of fought back on okay how about instead of doing 90 minutes of reading we kind of cut back to 45 and then we have social play which they can use the language we've taught them and all that. So losing that sucked. Losing the actual interaction. I mean, come on, dude. When you're in Mr. H's class, if you're not having a dance party, you're not learning. So uh, for me, I like. I think. I think I was the one that was really going through like the withdrawals of the kids. So for me, for them to like to know that they're loving what they're doing and like. I mean, you know, like they gotta at least kind of enjoy me as a teacher and I got to try to find ways to do that. So I just started uh, putting out schedules where I would drive to their houses with my boob, like with my boom box, we would uh, make sure we were like six feet apart and we would just have dance parties in the front yard for like 20 minutes and then get in the car and go to the next student's house. I love that. You know, and it, I have a three-year-old and my mom says all the time, you know, you could teach them anything at this age. You should teach them as much as possible. And I wonder like, but is like getting as much at him as I can. Is that really the right approach? So it's nice to hear a professional say it's, you know, the, the content's not everything. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, like, like, and, um, so I work in one of the, um, man, I, I, there's been a couple documentaries and there's one on HBO called uh, Growing Up in Milwaukee and then there's one called the 53206 which is the poorest uh zip code in America and that's the one where I teach and um these kids just come from the worst backgrounds to the point where they're not able to be kids right like they like these kids are literally going home and they're worrying about stuff that adults have to worry about i'm talking about like second graders raising their first and kindergarten siblings and worrying about 
where dinner is going to come from. So when you're in my classroom, you're going to forget about that for the eight hours. You're going to be a kid. Because when I was a kid, my biggest concern was, is Shredder going to beat the Ninja Turtles? You know, and these kids have much more real concerns. So when you're four, when you're in these K4 classes, we're going to be a kid. We're going to get some learning done, but we're going to be a kid. How has COVID made that more difficult other than the obvious things that you talked about, like, you know, you can't be hands-on and whatnot. I mean, how has, what are some of the other things that have made that a real challenge when it comes to the opportunities that you work with when, from the kids and demographics they're from? The, the very, the very biggest concern that happened immediately. So, so uh, Friday the 13th was our last day of school. For for like they told us on on the thirteenth that we'll see you in four weeks and we all kind of laughed, um, but our biggest concern was what's gonna happen on March sixteenth for almost all these kids that they definitely got two meals a day, you know they got to be in a safe space like you know what I mean like that was our biggest concern and that was definitely. The community came together and, you know, uh, restaurants were just handing out meals every day to, to the people that went to the school. And finally, some distributors uh, just opened up our school during the day where you just come in and grab like a bag lunch, a bag dinner. So uh, that was our biggest concern was a lot of these kids, like they're losing the like consistency of having, um, you know, like people show up every day Um you know, and a big thing for me, like a big reason why I got into to K4 or especially into kindergarten. And I hope I'm not painting like a broad picture that this is like this is what life is like for every kid in like low income, you know, stuff like that. But uh, one of the big reasons why I picked like the kindergarten, the early childhood is because, uh, you know, a lot of these young children, especially the young boys, don't have you know, consistent male role models in their life. So that's why I wanted to get in to K4. Like I may not be the best, but I'll be there. You know what I mean? I'll be there every day. Um, so, so that was definitely something that weighed on me heavily was consistency is key to young kids. Like it needs to be a routine. And all of a sudden the routine is taken from them in the middle of the school year. And it's like, how are we going to fix that? Awesome. That's that's great. Talk a little bit about adaptation being the key to success. What other, what's another example that you, you experienced? Oh, just, you know, like, um, just using technology now to your fullest. Um, and, it's, and to me, like, it's going to be boring, but it's just like being able to actually utilize google slides where you're going online and you're finding the books you're supposed to read and you're putting them in a fun slide that pops you can share it on the screen they're, they're all able to see it you can make it interactive like it, it, it it's just being able you know like you need to get the kids to learn so now you have to figure out ways to do that and with digital learning it was scary at first but now you're like all these sites are coming out like you're, I mean, me and my co me and my other K4 teacher <coughs> every day after school, we sit there and we just make new slides. Like, like we, we open up our curriculum book, we read the standards and we say, okay, <coughs> we know what this will look like 
with hands-on, with the manipulatives, with the stuff they can actually touch. But how can we make this fun for them online? And we've been really coming up with fantastic ideas of just, you know, something as simple as a slide transition, you know, like as a manip- as a manipulative, um, you know, uh, man, uh, bringing in people from all across. I mean, now I can say all across the world to just come in and read to my kids for 10 minutes a day has been awesome. Uh, you know, just reaching out and doing that has helped big time. And that's something I never would have been able to do in person. Yeah, I think that's really great. And one of the things that I hope that we could do, well, actually, we could do it right now. So you're always looking for folks to, to read, you know, one of their favorite books to, to their kids. I, I'm on the docket. I got I to gotta find the Mikey and the Dragons book. That's the book I want to read. I got I to gotta find it. I just got to buy it. But if our audience wanted to read to your kids, um, how could they get a hold of you? They could get a hold of me on Facebook, uh, Paul Hart. Uh, they could get a hold of me at uh, Teachers of the Galaxy, MRH, at gmail.com. Um, okay, that's a very unique email. Could you repeat that for us? Yes, it is Teachers of the Galaxy, you know, like Guardians of the Galaxy, because I am a nerd. And then MRH for Mr. H at gmail.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. That, that, that's great stuff. Abby, do you have any questions before we move on to his third learning? Well, just that um, as I was listening to you, I was thinking, I don't remember watching my teachers try and fail and recover. And I think that that has been something special with kids this year. And I really think it's probably been great for them to watch. And I wonder um, what your thoughts are on that, because adults are not perfect, but um, we don't do a good job showing kids that either. Um, I have the same poster, or it's pretty much just a bunch of words that I put together that's been on my door since my first day of teaching. And it is, why do we fall so we learn how to pick ourselves up? And messing up in front of kids is one of the best learning experiences that you can have, especially for the young kids, because, you know, and like it even goes to the point where kids are now afraid to misspell a word when they're just learning to write. Like kids are becoming afraid to write before they even know how to write. Like, isn't that sad? So like we want them to be the brave writer. So like if you can mess up, Like, I mean, you know, don't purposely do something crazy to, like, make a mistake. But if you can point it out and just kind of like, oh, I did this. Whoopsie, I should have done this. And then, like, they kind of have a laugh. Especially, like, if you do it, like, in a comedic, you know, like, you mess up and you just make a silly face. Like, they're into it. Like, they know it's okay. It's just silly stuff like that. But, like, I think you definitely, you like, a lot of people get the impression that, like, as a teacher, you're better than your class and if you have that mindset you've already failed your kids like you are not better than your class you are your goal is to make them better than you and if they haven't left the classroom better than you at the end of the year then i think you need to rethink what you're doing well put i really like you know that that applies to adult learners and educators as well um i I really like that sentiment Uh, in the interest of time because i could talk with you about this forever literally forever <laughs> uh, and it's been one of the most powerful uh episodes we've had 
What's your uh, what's your third lesson? The third lesson is you always need to be tapping into the funds of knowledge. Now, the funds of knowledge, which I'm sure a lot of people don't know because that's usually just us teacher nerd talk. Funds of knowledge is everything that the student brings in with them outside of the classroom. Uh, whether it's their culture, whether it's their family, whatever they like, that is your toolbox. You need to know what they bring in with them. And COVID has left me, has been able to let me just reach into those funds like never before. I have never had this amount of just pure contact with my families where like they like it, like it's almost like we're friends you know what i mean <clears throat> and and before and i think a lot of the time is family members has have always kind of viewed the teacher as like a combative i don't want to say enemy but like just someone to combat or like because teachers i mean and and teachers have a lot of teachers have earned that reputation where they kind of come at the parents like you're messing up this is what you're doing wrong no no no. it's not what we're doing wrong it's not what you're doing wrong you need to ask the question what can we do to see this change like you can't come as a negative so so you need to respect everything that these families and these students bring in with them because if you just see them as just your student and you just want you just only want to be able to get them to do what you want them to do in the classroom and you don't really care about what happens at home. I mean, I'm not, you know, you're not going to get fully immersed, but like if you just understand where they're coming from, the stuff that's happening at home, you talk to mom and dad or you find out their strengths. Like the best thing is you can find out like what they're good at at home, what, what, what intrigues them. And then all of a sudden, you know, like, oh, you find out that, you know, Adon loves Minecraft and he loves Black Panther. Oh, well, guess what? Our next slide now is going to have something to do with Minecraft. Or, you know, Josephina is just huge into My Little Pony. Well, guess what? We're going to have a whole My Little Pony week. And that's what we're going to do. And then the Scott and then the students are going to love that. Like, they're going to learn something about, like, not only am I learning something about them, but now all the other kids are learning something about that student and they're learning to respect those interests and those differences. And then we can kind of just get along and learn to kind of not hate people. That's really amazing. Abby, any, any final questions for, for Paul before we wrap things up? Paul, what do you hope you take from COVID and, and keep using in, in, in your education going forward? Uh, to, uh, to never stop no matter what happens. And that's way easier said than done, but COVID definitely, <laughs> COVID definitely uh, presented the opportunity to throw in the towel multiple, multiple times in, in teaching. And, and, and that's just me from, from a kindergarten teacher. I can't imagine what it was like for like the middle school and high school teachers. Um, but COVID has taught me that anything can and will happen and we have nothing to really control it. So we got to literally roll with the punches and just sometimes it's going to blow up in our face and sometimes it's just going to be amazing. And uh, this year has been the worst amazing year of my career. 
It's a great way to put it. The worst amazing year. <laughs> I it might really steal has. That. Well, and like I came from a terrible school before, so like this has really helped me fall back in love with um with teaching. I was able to really kind of get some personal accomplishments in the classroom this year and it's just been awesome. It's just been great. And that's the bottom line. Paul Hart, thank you so much. You're doing uh doing great work and I'm just honored that you could uh, share your your stories with us here at the uh, Fabulous Learning Nerds. So that's fantastic. We're going to go ahead and move on and right into our leadership minute. Time for Coach Shooty's Leadership Minute. You know, this is a great topic uh, for tonight's um, our tonight's episode. It's all about being adaptable. And I think some of the times we just are afraid to take risks as leaders and we're, we're afraid to fail. And I think that one of the things that will make you successful, if you just flip that on top of your head, you know that things aren't always going to go the way that you want them. Um, COVID has taught us that certainty is no longer a thing. And so what I'm trying to tell and encourage my team is to go ahead and take risks, especially with learning, right? Go outside the box, be, uh, be willing to take those chances. And if it doesn't go the way you want, the worst thing that can happen is that you don't take the time to learn from it. So my uh, leadership minute for all of you is, hey, take risks and don't be afraid to fail. We're going to fail forward and do things better. And that's our Leadership Minute. There we go. Awesome. Awesome episode, Paul, Mr. Hart, Mr. H. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for coming out. Um, very quickly, once again, you want to give everybody that email address if they if they want to participate in your class, uh, uh, read a book, or um, donate their time in some way. Yes, yes, and that, I would love it. Uh, we have been all over the world. We've been in uh, England and in uh, um, New Zealand. It, it's been fantastic. Uh, it is Teachers of the Galaxy mrh at gmail dot com. I regret making that email ten years ago because it is a pain to like type that in when you want a rewards card at like a gas station. <laughs> <laughs> I I never thought about that. Um, or you could have a really long name like Scott Shooty and have to put a bunch of numbers on it because you're not the only Scott Shooty. That's just as equally as um, frustrating. Um, I also know that you do some podcasting yourself and you've been a wonderful guest. Where can our listeners find more of Mr. H? Uh, perhaps not talking about uh, how great uh, his experiences have been through uh, teaching, but the other things that you're passionate about. Where else can we get more of you, Paul? Uh, you can find me at Movies from the Heart, where I talk to my guests about their favorite movies, and it's always a fun time to learn why a movie I may hate brings someone so much joy, and then I can watch it and be like, oh yeah, this is this is pretty great. Uh, and then the animated backcast with uh, Rebecca Dowling, who a lot of people may know. Um, we talk about Batman the Animated Series, and we have a fun time talking about Batman. So have you reviewed Rudy yet? on the uh, Movies from the Heart podcast? No, we have not, but I think we should. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know if I could be on that show. Uh, I will probably ball like a baby, but uh, so we can I. give it a shot. Oh, my God. When he says you're five foot nothing, a hundred nothing, I get it, it gets me every time. Every time. 
Okay, thanks a lot, Paul. Abby, you have the distinction this week of showing Dan the man how it's done. Please inform our listeners how they can participate in uh, the Fabulous Learning Nerds podcast. Well, guys, you can email us your questions and join the discussion by emailing learningnerdscast at gmail.com or find us on social. Our Facebook page is at Learning Nerds, so you can like us and participate, chat at us. We'd love to hear from you. And then you can follow them on Instagram, just like I do, for awesome little inspirational pictures and updates about the episodes. And you can find them on Instagram at the Fab Learning Nerds. Fab Learning Nerds. Drop the the. But yeah, no, that's awesome. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for doing Abby's job there. Really appreciate it. <laughs> she was doing a great job, and you just stepped in there. And I biffed it. Hey, you, you kind of just did your thing. I now uh, now I learned that there's not a the on Instagram so I'll be able to find you a lot quicker (laughs) well folks that's going to wrap us up for this week want to thank my special guest Paul Hart thanks for sharing your stories and your inspiration really powerful stuff glad to have you on Abby thanks so much honorary nerd soon to be recipient of a blu-ray copy of Endgame from yours truly folks please hit that subscribe button if you like the show share it with your friends email us at learningnerdscast at gmail.com until next week I'm Scott I'm Abby I'm Paul and we're your fabulous learning nerds go out there and make learning fun again and we are out Thanks for listening to the Fabulous Learning Nerds. You know, there are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention. Meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment of offerings. If you're, if you're thinking of giving it a try, if you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com BE.